night, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Technical Alpha. It is Friday, June the 23rd, 2017, all day. Uh, and we've got another great show lined up for you. A little different of a format than the previous 14 weeks. We're throwing a curveball at you, but it's like the shittiest, softest curveball ever because it's basically kind of the same thing, uh, just split up a little differently. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in this this opening bit here once we get around to it. Mr. Maximus Black. Yeah. Hit me up with the sound of waking up too early, rolling over, hitting the alarm clock, and then the second time you wake up, oh shit, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Say that one more time. <laughs> wow. I was hearing I was hearing double of everything and and I was trying to figure out if it was your end or my end, but I had another window open. So I was like I was hearing it all in double, but one more time. Alright. <clears throat> Hit me up with the sound of waking up the first time to your alarm and then putting the snooze on only to wake up a second time and oh shit, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Ding 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 Ding, 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 Yeah, what the fuck? Oh, God! Shit! Slept in! Yep! Thor, you better not have shit on the ground, I swear to God! If there's piss down there, you're in trouble! That's perfect. Yeah. That's had, that's had to have happened at least once. Oh, it, it's... What? It At least ten <laughs> times. That's at least ten times. You mean once a week, right? <laughs> once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, my alarm didn't go off again, and now the entire day is Rip. gone. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, my wife is is the worst for making me lazy because I'm I'm like lately, like the last couple of months, <clears throat> I've been really good about waking up nine o'clock, ten o'clock, the latest. Like crawling out of bed at ten is like, damn, I just wasted an hour doing nothing. But usually I get up at 9 o'clock, especially on the weekends when I have to get up at like 6 a.m. for yard sales. So I'm pretty good for that. But if Kayla is off for because she does like two days on, two days off, two days on, two days off. If she's off, she like rolls over, puts her arm around me and basically like she's like, no, don't go. And then I'm like, fine. And then I'll close my eyes and I'll wake up like three hours later every single time. It's the worst. Oh, and then so, she gives right. me shit, too. She's like, you're so lazy. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean I'm so lazy? You're the one who made me do this. So, yeah, she's All the right. worst. So I'm so normally, not productive. Normally, I wouldn't do this. But I can't I can't I can't take being called out on a classic, Jeff. All right. I can't take it. We just got called out for the noise I just asked you as being pre-written. I find this unacceptable, and so Whoa. I'm going to rapid fire at you three more noises. Whoa. Off the dome. Before we, All right? before we even do that, I'm going to say we plan nothing. We are so bad at procrastinating <laughs> that this shit gets planned like 15 minutes before we go live, all right? Welcome to Lag TV, bro. Welcome to Lag TV. We are the channel of improv and just going with the flow. You think what do you got for me, Adam? Right. What do you got for me? What do you got you, for me? All right, this is easy peasy, Mister Maximus Black. Yeah, hit me up with the sound of John Cena surprising you in the middle of taking a shit. <laughs> His name is John Cena. 
I accidentally <laughs> unplugged my headphones. One second. There we go. We're good. <laughs> We're good? Yep. All right. Okay. Mr. Maximus Black. Yeah. Hit me up with the sound of walking down Goddard Street and all the white people cross the road when you start walking towards them. <laughs> hey, man. How's it going? Hey, it's a new Oh, Get the f- Go. Run. I don't know how I'm supposed to do a noise of that, but sure. <laughs> I'm half white, Mr. guys. It's okay. <laughs> Mr. Maximus Black, hit yeah. me up with the sound of walking on the boardwalk for Canada Day. And because it's absolutely crowded and you're enjoying your ice cream from cows, somebody on a Segway accidentally runs into you and you get pushed into Halifax Harbor and you grow a fourth arm. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um,. <laughs> Uh, you got your ice cream, Kayla? Yeah, I got ice cream. Okay, it's cool. What kind did you get? <laughs> I got blueberry. Okay, yeah, I got strawberry and just... What the <laughs> fuck? Fuck! <laughs> what the fuck? Shit! <laughs> Son of a bitch! I've got a third arm! Oh, wait, that's my penis. <laughs> See, I could do that shit all day. You think you hour, think this is written down? An hour Easy. and a half. There it is. The, the next stretch goal. An hour and a half of noises straight. <laughs> you think? So, speaking of Halifax and Canada Day, what is your definition of crowded? Seeing as I'm going to be witnessing this, and I'm coming from like the uh, New York definition of crowded. Uh, it's it's not that you... there's. It's it's pretty crowded. It's, it's just not, a small, it's not, it's like, what, skinny like tw- spot. Twenty people there. Yeah. No, no, so no, like it's not necessarily sure. yeah. There's not there's not it's not necessarily that there that there's so many people so much as it's just the area in which the people will be crammed into. So like on the boardwalk during Canada Day on a Saturday, this is this year's Canada Day is on Saturday. If the weather is is anything short of shit, oh, there'll be thousands. There will down. be yeah. Many, many thousands crammed into a very small area, and there will be people attempting to ride segways and shit like that, and it's going to be a complete gong show. It's going to be absolutely <laughs> amazing. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome. We can get back to the regularly scheduled programming. Uh, let me just give you guys uh, a quick rundown of what this week and following weeks of Technical Golf is going to look like, because we're changing up our format a little bit. Uh, essentially we were looking at the format and going, you know, we, we, we aimed to do two hour podcasts when we originally sat down and conceptualized this whole program. And what we discovered was we are really, really bad at meeting that mark, like absolutely terrible at meeting <laughs> that mark. So we were like, all right, well, there must be a way that we can keep that going because it's not that we're not necessarily always having great content in that like three hours that it inevitably happens. But we need to change up how it's packaged so that people can more easily listen to this thing because it's so damn long. So, what you're going to get now is you're going to get, um, here on Twitch, nothing changes. Everything is is just one big extravaganza. Because on Twitch, nobody cares if you live stream for three hours. In fact, if you only live stream for three hours, you're a scrub. So here, it's whatever. But on YouTube and on the RSS feeds and everywhere else, you're going to get two separate releases during a week. The first section of uh, the podcast, which is going to be an hour and a, between uh, an hour and an hour and a half, which means probably an hour and a half 
Um, you're going to get uh, a mixture of current game news like we, we usually do. We're going to mix in some retro stuff with Mr. Black and talk about our movie-related things. And then in, uh, and that's in, well, in the first hour and a half. And then the second hour and a half is entirely technical support. Tech support. I keep wanting to say technical alpha. Tech support is the entire second half of an hour and a half, which means that we are going to be answering, obviously, more questions. And we felt like this would give uh, a way easier, you know, way of people you know, digesting all this content, plus allow us to answer more questions from the Patreons themselves. Uh, and since some people had brought this up and even we were noticing it, we when we're talking about news and stuff, we don't always have the ability to just you know, ramble about random nonsense. Uh, whereas in the tech support, that's usually where it happens. But we were kind of... We were kind of hamstringing ourselves because tech support was only like this last 15 minutes to a, you know, half an hour of every podcast. So we're now extending that to a full hour and a half segment that will be its own thing. So on, on iTunes right now, you're listening to this. Uh, it's probably Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, one of those three days, I imagine, where the bulk of the downloads happen. Uh, you're going to get a second release in the week that is just tech support and that will be released likely on Tuesday or Wednesdays uh, in the week and so you're going to get uh, uh, a more spread out content structure in a more digestible form and it's going to allow us to do more for the patrons and, and everything else so hopefully that sounds like a good idea uh, to, to everyone out there it's essentially the exact same thing except you're not going to get all three hours or three and a half hours go. or whatever we go in one go you'll still get a release you know, Saturday, Sunday, the latest, and then you'll get another release Tuesday or Wednesday. The Tuesday or Wednesday will be more of a leg TV style where we can talk about whatever, go on tangents, doesn't need to be so structured. And then the first half is more of like, you know, structure with some banter and things like that. But it's it's very podcasty. But the second part is mm -hmm. more of just us shooting the shit. Yeah. So it's so, almost identical, just kind of split up. So, how much are we charging our wonderful listeners for the privilege of this wonderful structure? I'm glad you asked that question, Panic. It's coming to you for the low, low payments, the five payments, maybe six of free 99. We haven't decided on the number of mm. payments. We're somewhere between five and six, but uh, we haven't decided. But it's going to be five or six payments of free 99 for the, uh, the content. Uh, so hopefully you guys have been putting away all those pennies because we wouldn't, we wouldn't want you yeah. to break the bank on all this content. Gents, let's jump right into it because I, obviously I knew this opening segment for this new structure because we had to talk about the structure was going to be a bit longer, but let's, uh, let's hop into, uh, what we've got. We've got a pretty, uh, 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 despite the fact we came out of E3, which normally there's like this absolute drought. It's like somebody like turns on every tap in the house for like an entire week and then dad goes shit or water bill and then everybody fucking slams the the tap shut and there's no more news for a while. We actually have a couple of like half decent things to talk about. Um, and the first thing that I wrote down here, and I, I don't know how much uh, you guys... Um, We'll have to, uh, we'll have on it, but did either of you guys play Beyond Good and Evil back in the day on the original Xbox? No. I played it for a bit and then my Xbox died and I never finished it. Oh, rip. Your original Xbox died? Those things were basically indestructible. What the hell happened? Uh, my roommate spilled certain beverages on it. Ah, okay. We'll, well that's a quick that. way to kill anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a quick yes. way to kill anyway. Very quick um, way to so, even a tank. So the the general concept here, I mean, we've seen now Beyond Good and Evil 2's trailer at E3. Jeff, did you see that uh, at any point? No, I'm, it was, I'm, watching, I'm watching it right now while you're talking. Yeah. So if you if you get to listen to it, what you're going to hear if you if this was like a Sopranos episode, it's basically that. It's just fuck is every second word in that entire trailer. It's quite impressive, really. Uh, and so if you bleeped it all out, it would just be like, and if what? So it'd be like a Kanye West song. Bleep, yes, basically, <laughs> just for like 45 minutes. So it was a beautiful looking trailer. Like, don't get me wrong, it looked fantastic. I mean, it's all CG, no gameplay or anything like that. It's just hey. Guess what, guys? Beyond Good and Evil 2 is a thing. It exists again because it has technically existed for the last decade <laughs> in terms of whether or not it was going to come out. They had announced it uh, at an E3 forever ago that it was going to be something coming, and then it never happened. And it was never talked about again. It was the weirdest thing. Like, it just fell off the face of the planet for real. It just completely disappeared. So when this happened, that's why there was so much, like, buzz about it, uh, is because everyone thought that it was dead. Uh, so here it the is again. It looked really good. It did. And after, <laughs> after that showing, they talked a bit about what they were going to try and do within this game. Like, what is the game actually going to be about? So he was on the stage talking about it. And that's what a, a few articles have been about this week. Now that people have had some time to just come down off of Hype Cloud 9... Uh, and just think about what was discussed at, at that press conference. And people are starting to think to themselves, you know, this is sounding an awful lot. I got to change the topic text. This is sounding an awful lot like um, No Man's Sky, like Star Citizen. It's, it's offering like a lot of these crazy lofty goals that nobody has been able to actually tackle. Mm. Uh, and this game has also already had a, uh, died before. They did a, already did a, uh, they did like a, tech demo of the gameplay like very yeah, recently it was right like now. maybe yesterday or today yeah um oh really i didn't see that uh, like yeah yeah it's like 15 minutes yeah i watched some of it um like i was at work so i didn't really get a chance to like deep dive into it but it like that's not an inaccurate assessment they showed they, they talked about a lot of stuff but they didn't really show like a lot of stuff like they, they showed you the engine they showed the scaling and everything they showed you some really cool things with it but you didn't actually get to see you doing much. Now that I'm watching like it, wasn't it, like a- it looks like um, Just Cause. Like, it's very, very similar in terms of graphics yeah. and you, the way that the, the characters are moving, the art design. It looks basic. Not It doesn't even look as good as Just Cause in terms of graphically. It looks like Star Fox meets Just <laughs> Cause. I mean, I guess if it's a big game where you can go, okay, that looks a little better. Um yeah, it actually doesn't look. It actually doesn't look bad. Um, yeah, like it's all going to be yeah. how they deliver on what they showed. Like, because No Man's Sky looked real pretty up until you actually played the game, and it's like there's no yeah. depth here. It all depends on how deep they can make that gameplay. Yeah, because yeah. and that's what and that's what they're concerned about, right? Because this game has already, like I was mentioning, already gone into like the ether before. Um, for whatever reasons, I, I still don't remember if there was ever a reason given for why it disappeared, if it was funding or whatever else. And now you would think they would not necessarily play it safe, but going after what they're talking about going after right now seems like a really bold move, Cotton, when you're talking about a game that's already like, what, 10 or 15 years in the making, 
and now you're going to talk about you know procedurally generated worlds and all these things that other games have done to like varying degrees of success uh yeah. and then on top of that the concern is is this really like I, again i know jeff didn't play it i didn't even play it i just know i just know what the game is what the original game is all about and whatnot and that it's a complete cult classic and there's a big fan base for it oh, not, it's not even a cult classic it was critically acclaimed really everyone well. loved the game it did it did really well like i was surprised that it took them this long to do a sequel for it because it's hard to get a franchise that was that universally liked when it came out so the the question that the secondary question that that kind of has been happening here is is this really a beyond good and evil game i know it's a prequel like they've they've gotten that far it is a prequel to the first but it represents, in terms of gameplay, literally 0% of what the original game oh, yeah. was. And not even the tone of the game is the same as the second. Like, this this weird tone that they went for in the trailer, I don't know if that was just because it was a trailer and it was meant to try to instill some kind of crazy uh, hype or, or, or something, but it didn't represent the first game whatsoever. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I was... I remember watching it in E3 like- and getting excited for other people because I'm not like fucking jazzed about it. And I'm not like crazy about Beyond Good and Evil, I but I know like it's a good just, game. I feel like they're cashing in on the franchise and they're going to use the franchise and the IP and then they're going to wrap some other game into it um, and probably mm. change some of the gameplay. I don't know. Uh, from what I remember of the game, and I, I think they did a remaster, so I might pick it up to uh, play it, but... Um, it was a very, it's an older style game, like you explore a lot, and it wasn't like a heavily combat oriented game, it was a lot of searching, and you were a journalist, if I remember correctly, so mm. you know, it was more puzzle and like kind of platforming oriented, so I feel like those games are harder to do these days, so I don't know if they're going to go with that, they might just like end up with that third person-y type of game like we were talking about, where a lot of the games just end up playing the same Um I'm curious to see more where they actually show gameplay with mechanics as opposed to gameplay of, oh, look at our cool engine. Yeah, That's really what I want to see before I make any judgment on it. Yeah. No, I, um, I don't have much to say. I'm just, uh, it's not that I'm not paying attention. I'm, just, I'm literally just kind no. of watching as much as I can on it here on the side. Yeah. Uh, it looks, I haven't even it seen, looks cool. I haven't even seen the gameplay. It looks play. stunning. Yeah, it looks cool. It's very similar to um, No Man's Sky where you can just kind of go onto a planet, fly onto a planet, so on and so forth. That was what they've been talking up, I guess, a lot, is the whole, you know, the no load screen. Oh, you get to fly off one planet and onto another, and there's no, you know, transitional yeah. whatever. There's no load screen. Um, which, again, is great and lovely, but at this point it's been done. I guess it's just to the d- degree of how well they actually make it happen. But even then, I don't want to hear that about good and Beyond Good and Evil 2. I just want to hear about the fuck the game is actually supposed to be. Like, it's great that you're <laughs> yeah, doing exactly. all that, but... But you know, I guess we got to wait for a little bit more. But that's uh, that's I guess the current the current talk amongst the water cooler or the, the, in the game world is will will these expectations that they're putting in front of people lead to a, a game that even if it does get released falls flat versus they've waited fifteen years maybe they should have reined back a bit on the crazy and just given something that the fans. I mean, really, because who are you making Beyond Good and Evil 2 for at this point? After 15 years, you're not making it for, like, are you really making it for new people? Like, is that really what this is supposed to be? I mean, it's a prequel, so maybe they are going for a totally <sighs> yeah. new group of people. I, I, It's iffy with that. Um, Ubisoft is never one to do cult classics. They're just going to, like, dive right in. Like, 
I, I feel like they're going to do this to be kind of a more mainstream title, um, but they're going to yeah. cash in on that goodwill that they had from the previous um, previous IP stuff. And with a prequel, yeah. it gives them a little bit more freedom. Well, yeah. hopefully it, it, we get a little bit... No, go ahead. It says it's it's an early engine demo. So by the sounds of it, we're not going to get this game for a while. Like, oh no, maybe they don't even know exactly what kind of game it is. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking (laughs) at least at least two years, right? I mean, I think his exact quote during E3 was, "This game is basically at day one of development," which I don't think anyone wanted to hear when they saw an announcement for Beyond Good and Evil 2 because all that said to them was there is still a ridiculous chance this thing doesn't actually get get completed. <laughs> um, so, you know, hopefully, obviously, next E3, I mean, we're going to get more than that, I, I imagine, throughout the year, but next E3 will Beyond probably Good see... Beyond Good and Evil forever. Just... Be- <laughs> they, look, if this game was technically in development for 15 years, it's already surpassed that poor Duke Nukem game. So, you know... It holds it holds the title. It holds the title. Speaking of titles, thank you for that uh un unintentional segue panic. Uh the speaking of titles, Rocket League is going to be uh televised on NP on NBC. Like a, the like and that's a network I actually have on my TV and not some like uh ESPN eight the Ocho type shit that some of these other esports <laughs> you know things have been happening on. Uh, and I was kind of surprised to see Rocket League, but it's going to be on Rocket, uh, it's going to be on NBC and then like, uh, across the pond, it's affiliates, which I guess is like sci-fi and a couple of the other networks that they've got, um, tied in. I don't know. Sci-fi. Actual broadcast television, not like cable television. Wow. Yeah. Like actual honest to goodness. It's a hundred thousand dollar tournament. So it's not like Dota 2. I'm going to like basically bring Elon Musk money to the... (laughs) <laughs> to the table, but it's still a hundred thousand uh, dollars. The thing that I found weird, though, is that it's a two v two tournament. It's not three v three. How how big is the competitive bracket? Well, uh, I don't question. know. I don't know what it is for for this NBC thing. Are they just doing the finals and that's it? No, I don't. I think it's. I think it's probably. Uh, oh, it, it just the says the tournament. Be like a ten minute show. Okay. It'd be like yeah. a ten minute show, so I think it might yeah. actually be the the whole the whole spiel. But I, I'm really weirded out by that because every other like esport related thing for Rocket League I've personally seen, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I watch 50 hours of Rocket League a week, but it's always been three v three, and that's where most of the the games competitive scene is, to my knowledge. So why two v two is a little well? Weird. Here's the reality: three v three is the interesting part. To you, but here's the reality. It's going on television. The people that are watching or potentially watching, they are whatever. Like, they they are people that are going to be introduced to Rocket League, whether it's a 2v2 format, 3v3, 5v5, 10v10. They know no difference. So somebody new that's watching it going to see a 2v2. They're not going to be like, oh, man, it would have been so much better as a 3v3. A lot of them are going to be like, holy shit, video games are on on TV and there's a hundred thousand dollar prize. The people that are really into Rocket League, of course, they're going to watch. Uh, they'll probably end up just watching it online, opposed to TV. There might be people that'll tune in on the TV just to help out ratings or to say they've watched it on TV. Those people probably already know it's a two v two and it's a specific two v two tournament. But the majority of people that are going to watch it on television, they ain't going to give a shit. It doesn't matter what what it is. It's just cool, I guess, that it's it's going on television. I think Rocket oh, League's I, a good a good one too to, oh, to put yeah. on. Rocket League's a great game. 
<laughs> yeah. I I apologize. We have to we have to make a little edit here. Apparently, it is NBC Sports is where this is showing up, and Sci-Fi. Oh, not the NBC network itself, the which NBC makes Sports just both much sense. Okay, yeah. So it is cable. So, and it's the grand and it's the grand finals of uh, uh, of okay. the whole the whole spiel. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think I think Rocket League is a great choice. Uh, yep. I mean, uh, it's it's already kind of leaning on the sport of soccer or football, depending on which side of the pond you're on. So mm-hmm. it's not like the rules are overly complicated. Like, you don't even have to really explain the rules. If somebody understands soccer, you're going to understand Rocket yeah. League's fundamental put-the-ball-in-the-net <laughs> type shit. <laughs> and then yeah. I, I guess the, the upshot to 2v2 is it will be easier for people to follow if they're yeah. not already into watching Rocket League. Like, if you have six cars, that's a lot different than having four cars uh, on the screen. So... That's probably now, not a, sure. a, a bit of it too. I'm not sure about the the casters. Um, see, I know nothing about the the Rocket League esport. I have no idea. Obviously, there's a there's a, a demand. It's quite for well it. done. There's a, yeah, like when I was at yeah. uh, PAX. Uh, yeah, was it PAX? Yeah, well, one of the one of the last events. They they had a Rocket mm. League tournament going on there, and it was jam packed. Uh, and it was it was pretty fun to watch too. I did sit sit and it's watch it for really a couple exciting of matches. to watch at a high level. I think what what's going to have to happen, and, and more importantly than than anything, is they need to get casters that are going to portray the game not for the diehards, but they're going to have to dumb it down. They're going to have to um, explain things in layman's terms. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the lingo and things they can kind of, if they're putting it in there, they're going to have to explain what those things mean. Uh, it's, it's kind of like how, you know, when UFC started or, um, you know, other, other sports like that, they're, you know, they're not going to go out and throw these, these big words or or these, they need a Joe Rogan. They, they do need a Joe Rogan. And I, I have no idea, um, the type of, uh, casters they have there, but hopefully, uh, the ones that they do, they realize how big of a job that they have more so than Mm -hmm. the actual players the star of that broadcast is going to be the casters uh, and the production team. If those things don't match, uh, it's going to be a bad time because they're, even if the matches aren't all that great, it's going to be up to them to hype it up and to make it mm-hmm. fun to watch. But not only that, you got to educate people and, and hold their, uh, their attention long enough that they want to sit and watch the actual matches because a lot of people are going to tune in. They're going to be like, what the hell? Video games... If the casters aren't good and it sounds nerdy and it sounds stupid, um, the the mainstream audience is just going to click out. They're, They're going to check out. out. Yeah. <laughs> Half the time I'm, gonna, I'm trying to read Panic's face if he's going to say something. I'm like, is it going to happen? Is something going to come out of his mouth? No, 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 nope, that was it. <laughs> uh, no, I yeah, I agree. I think it, you know the casters, and that's you know for Jeff and I. Even for us, because we were so unprofessional in what we did when we got when we got slaughtered on the NASL stage, um, that whole thing—it's it, really hard to transfer from doing something on the internet where the culture is already there, everybody already knows all the lingo, and even if you don't know the lingo, because you're already likely a gamer of some kind, it doesn't take you more than a few minutes to pick yeah. up on you know what's being put down in front of you. 
And so um, it will be. I, I mean, they have a uh, they have a, a stable of, of casters that I've seen, right? And they have you know their top end guys, and they've got their their middle end uh, guys or whatever that they'll swap in. And they do a generally really good job. A couple of them, and I can I don't know their names off the top of my head, but I could envision which ones I've seen that would probably fit the bill um, for where they're putting them. I wouldn't be shocked if one or both of them have a have a British accent. On this broadcast, I bet you they'll probably go for one of the Brits just just to legitimize and just it's because it's it's soccer cars, right? So you're like yeah. it's going to be almost like a, a stereotype that would be weird if it wasn't there, you know, somebody with a with an accent from uh, from across the pond. So um, it really is uh, going to come down to them, and I am uh, just as somebody who who who's played enough Rocket League and, and have watched enough of the esports side. 3v3 is demonstrably better as an eSport than 2v2, flat out. Rocket League, the less cars on the field, as nice as it is to see some of the, the singular mechanics that guys will, will have to use in, a, in an environment with less cars, the real game like the real game and the real team play only really exists in 3v3. 2v2 is kind of like a, a kind of whatever thing. Uh, I would equate it to like if you were... It, it, almost in the reverse, though. If you're watching tennis, more people usually like to watch a singles match because it it shows the best of tennis nine times out of ten. Uh, and then when the doubles come out, it's still a great game to watch, but it doesn't necessarily always show you know all the fundamentals of uh, of tennis yeah, in the same like way that a singles match does. Yeah, we want yeah. to watch one v one instead of two v two. Sure, two v two might be fun to watch, but you and I both know it's not as competitive, it's not as legitimate. Um, you don't see you know, as awesome plays in, in 2v2 Rocket League versus 3v3. Like you don't, It's just like from playing it and seeing it. You don't quite get the passability the, that you get in a 3v3, that yeah. you can't get the touch-and-go shit. I mean, think, I mean, think of playing soccer have, like, on a field you don't with get the two epic people. Moments. Yeah, versus three people on each team. You know, you can't really get a, a touch and go other than than like a really awkward one, especially when you're involving rocket cars. So it's, yeah. you know, they exist. They totally exist. You know, you can punt the ball into a corner. It will kick back out because of how these arenas are built uh, and how the physics work. And you can get some aerial stuff and some fun stuff will happen occasionally. But it doesn't showcase Rocket League at the absolute peak, which hopefully if this goes well... Of Maybe course. we'll eventually get there. Oh, well, um, I mean that's that's a uh, that's a given. But like I said, it, it yeah. doesn't matter to to the mainstream audience, right? It just doesn't. This um, is the toe in the water. This is the is it cold? Yeah. <laughs> can I get can I get my foot in there and not have it fall off? And if it goes yeah. well, maybe I'll stick the rest of my foot in the water. That's that's what NBC is thinking right now. But they mm-hmm. seem pretty positive about it. So I'm I'm excited to see um, how it goes down. I'll see if I can manage to to watch it because just like when other games have have managed to make it to tv in some capacity you know we're, we're still in that phase where those are kind of pivotal moments where they have to go so damn well for the the yeah. hopes and dreams of everybody else that comes after you can actually get onto television <laughs> so well, it's, uh um, yeah it's starting to it's starting to pop up more and more now i feel like within five years uh there'll either be a dedicated esports sport channel uh, or they there there will be heavily on mm. these uh you know these NBC sports or the uh, uh the ESPN two things and and things like that uh simply because not only 
is there a demand for it? But there, there's there's two big things. One is esports has officially broken into the big market for these big companies. You know, you've got credit card companies coming in. You've got Coca-Cola. Um, you know, I did a thing with Mountain Dew today. Um, you've got these big Best Buy, uh, Sennheiser. You've got a lot of these big companies. I know Sennheiser is a little bit more niche, but you, you see the point I'm making. Recognizable they, brands. Recognizable brands. And the big honchos at these big networks who are old white dudes who have been doing the same thing over and over and over again, they start to – they can't ignore the movement here. They're realizing how big it is. And the second thing, and the biggest one, is there are many, many, many – professional athletes and very successful businessmen and women that are buying esports teams that are owning things like team liquid and uh all these other massive teams and organizations and up and coming yep has Rick been Fox. running a train yep tony yep. robbins uh you name it they're, they're all, all on it. they're all in the game uh damon john they're they're investing into these uh, into these uh, esports because they see how big it is, and a lot of these guys actually have ties with networks, and obviously they're shareholders. They, they, there's influence, and there's just money. There's so much money to be made, and even still, you know, if guys like us can make really ridiculous money through esports, and we're just—I mean, we're a fucking speck uh, in the in a bucket of sand. You know, if if we can draw out uh, a fair amount of money, imagine what these other massive companies can do. We're talking billions of dollars, not even millions, yeah. billions. Oh, so huge. It, it's 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 insane. Well, uh, and it's, it's a matter of time. It it ties into a demographic that a lot of the larger companies nowadays have had a really hard time marketing yeah, yeah. to, yeah. you know, like, you know, the 14 to 30 something range, like the millennials, like, you know, all of them are like ditching soda. So, you know, Coke and Pepsi are having trouble. They don't want to buy cars. It's all like, it's very hard to market to like the younger part of our generation. Yep. Um, and esports is something that they resonate with. They flock to it. They watch it. Like we fill stadiums for League of Legends for Dota. So, you know, and people are starting to realize this is like not some joke. This is something that the next generation is really freaking into. So if you're not going to market to that, you're going to get left behind in the dust. Mm -hmm. So now they're realizing that and this is like a huge opportunity for them to one, help grow this space, but also to make a lot of money while doing it. Yeah. And they have to they have to do it in a way that's organic, uh, because this generation, the millennials, they are not only desensitized to marketing because they grew up in and on social media. I mean, it, it's yep. I, I mean, I, it's I I don't even know how. Um, it was so much easier to sell things back then uh, to to people because not only could it was harder to do the research to see how legitimate a product was or get another opinion on it or whatever. You just kind of, you, you, it's kind of like the old days when, um, for example, we're going to talk about retro games, but back in the day for a system like Atari, for example, when an Atari came out, Atari was right around the time where there was a massive 
bubble, like a like a, it just burst. The the video game industry in North America fucking died. It was like ninety nine percent of all it was the dot com bust of were, that generation. Yep, were not buying games like overseas and stuff. Yep, that was still going. the The problem was is the the video game systems and everything they looked like toys and. There was also the time when PCs started to 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 merge to emerge, and the the graphics and stuff were just surpassing Atari so heavily that it just there. By the time Atari came out, the PCs were already ahead, and it was just it was bad. So the whole thing burst. And my point that I'm trying to get at is back then when you were buying video games, there was a lot of fucking bad games for Atari bad bad games like people were just making games for the sake of making games but how they chose their games was the covers that was the show you would go into a video game store and you would look at the box art and i have all kinds of atari games well i did i sold them all but i had so many atari (laughs) games and i was looking at all the different art and i would i would honestly make a judgment on what game i would want to try out or get rid of or not get rid of strictly on the art of the box. And that was the show. So now it's much different. Now you go into a stream, you watch a YouTube video, you, you know, ask your friends, uh, and, and the, and the information is instant. It's as soon as you want it, you get it. So that's why it's so much harder to get into the millennials in terms of advertisement uh, because they're so desensitized on everything, and uh, there's so much bullshit now that everything they're really is really so, skeptical. They're skeptical because everything is getting caught out now. I mean, everything. Yeah. If there's a game that, like No Man's Sky, that comes out and fucking, you know, tells the world this is what you're getting, and then the next day or the night of the release, all this shit is out. These glitches, this garbage, this these lies. People see it instantly, and there's a massive backlash. Back then. It was you buy the games and maybe you call somebody up on your on your corded phone and you're like, hey, man, did you play this game or did you, you know your mom picked this up for you? And that was the show. So um, they're going to have they're they're realizing now that this is the time. Get in with these guys now. The video game industry cannot be denied. And when you're when you're selling out Madison Square Garden in hours or minutes, yeah. I mean, Jesus, someone pays oh. attention. Someone you have pays to. attention to that. You have to. Even yeah. if you even if you have you have no business, you 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 hate the person. You're you know, I you know, I can't stand this 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 industry. I don't understand it. I don't want to. It's garbage. Stay away from me. We're making plenty of money over here. We don't need it. It's all noise. You sell out Madison Square Garden in minutes and you get viewership bigger than the Super Bowl, and you've got people buying out uh teams left, right, and center, big people that have influence. It's time to listen, and that's what we're seeing. That's why I give it five years. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Uh, not um, even five years. I'm going to go with three. Mm. <laughs> that's going to be – it's no, going to explode in the next yeah. two or three years. I guess just to just to wrap this up, I want to get your guys' thoughts on, on, on this without spending too much time on this topic, but uh, because we're, we're spinning we're spinning out of Rocket League into the general you know, the general idea of esports on, on television and, and the whole takeover of esports in general, but – do you guys think that it's going to? Um, we know we t- okay. So to frame this better, we talked about the, the fact the challenge of the casters, the caster problem, right? 
where we discussed the fact that, uh, especially right now, where there's a whole whack of people that you're going to put this content in front of that has zero idea what the hell is going on. Uh, not only are they are they you know mind blown by the fact that they're watching a video game can being competitively played on television, but now you've got to break that down to them and make it entertaining for them at the same time, and how big of a problem that is. Um, are are companies going to market for that those people um, only, or are they and and just leave the fact that for everyone else there's the online you know Twitch YouTube. Mixer, whatever else platforms that are going to lock in some of these exclusive online streaming rights to all this type of shit. Uh, and then there will be network, you know, television on the side as well. Are they just going to market to the, the lay person there? Or are they going to do something like ESPN is going to literally create an, a separate mm-hmm. sports network that yeah. only deals in that and just don't try and mingle it with everything else uh, just to try and separate it and make it easier for, for people to find and, and digest. Because I feel like I feel like you're trying to take two puzzle pieces that don't actually fucking fit together and you're just fucking like just trying your hardest because it's four o'clock in the morning and you've been doing the puzzle for six hours and you're like, God fucking fit! You just fucking like slamming so, you just there's two mangled pieces <laughs> like that's 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 the online community and cable TV or whatever where the people don't have any idea versus do so what do you guys think they should do do you think they should keep it separate I, and then make like its own thing or, or how do you think they should tackle it what I think is going to happen is they're going to go with the model that they do with cable TV right now where you have the program sponsors who are part of it and they're kind of baked in and then you have right. like the regional advertising and then you have like the local advertising and they have like blocks and segments for the mm. advertising so I, I feel like what's going to happen is they're going to have you know the actual event advertisers who are there with a bunch of their slots and their promos kind of baked in and then you're going to have you know a much smaller regional bucket and then you know there's going to be a bunch of for the online stream there's going to be a huge online segment that entire regional segment is going to be online advertisers who are more targeted for the the hardcore because honestly i don't think you're going to get many people from tv going to watch it on twitch or going to watch it on youtube or whatever they're just going to watch it from the living room on tv um, what about the reverse? For the twitch people i don't think you're going to get as many people i don't no. think they're going to get as many people watching from twitch to tv no like you're going to get people, so which are is sit why down I was asking, you know, how do they and they're going to turn on the Roku Twitch app to watch it? Yeah, yeah, that's why I was asking, you know, what how to package it, not necessarily advertise, but how to package it, because like, do do they put it on an island? ESPN ate the Ocho, or do they do they try and mingle it with other things? Because they know that it's not going to be people from online coming over and and consuming it on uh, on TV like how do they do that effectively to to actually uh, get into the market where they're trying to get into ESPN 3 through the Ocho or whatever those are all <laughs> like the minor leagues those are like yeah. the little ones like you know if they get traction there and people are actually going to watch it there they'll move it up a couple of channels you know may, yeah. maybe it will go from ESPN 8 the Ocho to ESPN 8 you know the quad or whatever you want to call it <laughs> <laughs> and it gets moved up, um, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to test it out, and they're going to say we're, we we've seen numbers like this, so we'll leave it here for now, and then we'll publicize it some more, and we'll do some tests and push it forward. Maybe in one 
area or region. We'll move it to ESPN2 and see how it does. Mm -hmm. Um, The broadcast networks and these sports networks, they're very meticulous in doing their brand research and their ratings. And that's the nice thing for esports. They're going to find a way to get better metrics on it. Yeah, And then they'll make decisions based on that. I don't think it's one of those things where they sit in an office and they make all the decisions right off the bat. They're going to put it out there. They're going to see what happens. I think it's going to be not only the network, but also the developer as well. It's going to have a big say. Uh, because it's their they they want to have their game portrayed in a certain lim- limelight as well. Of course, so they can't just say yeah. you know go and do your thing. I think what they'll do is very similar to what UFC did with Fox. Is UFC will do their own thing. So UFC will have uh you know their fight pass where you can go on watch all their stuff on their website uh, where they have their own Reebok sponsors and all this other stuff. Uh, you'll get to go watch on their YouTube channel and you can do their. Uh, watch their series and things that they have there, but then on Fox they have very it's it's very produced. Uh, everything that's there is under this umbrella of uh, a certain type of language that can be used, certain type of um, all these things, and that's and that's also another reason why you don't want to commingle it and 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 make it universal through both because if you do that, you're going to have to bow down to the TV. Um, regulations well, in terms of language and everything. Basically. The memes don't work. Memes the, don't work on TV. And 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 no, they don't. And and the thing is, is is especially in the gaming world, when you even even if it is simple as saying kappa or or as simple as seeing a Twitch chat or as simple as saying oh shit, um, and you can't do that anymore. Even though to to, to hearing no bad language may be good for some people, even on Twitch. Um, when you start taking away from what people are used to for television of all places, let's not forget the esports world is very, very on a high horse. I mean, the, I mean, and I'm, and I'm on that boat too. Like, you know, I, I, I can already train. see TV. Don't, they don't know how to handle this thing. They, they, this is a, this is a monster that is bigger than NBA itself. You, you, you can't. You can't use the same formula for what you're used to on esports. And if you do, that's fine, but you got to package it and let the people via internet and everything know that, hey, if you're watching this on TV, you're getting a different type of program. If they're going to do a massive thing, so say, for example, Riot ends up on ESPN and they're doing a big thing. I know this is a little bit more. Uh, extreme because Riot actually kind of wants to be a sport in itself too. So their regulations and the way they say and do things are very, very calculated. And and, and uh, I'm sure the casters can't go and say certain things or you're getting canned. It's that simple. But I think, you know, say, for example, uh, fighting. Say you had a Smash Bros. Co- uh, um, cast. Now, we know that fighting game communities, there's a lot of swearing. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of hype. I mean, there's a lot of black guys doing crazy shit, inside jokes, you name it, talking (laughs) about things that happened 10 years ago. uh, That's just the show. If you were to take something like that and put that on an ESPN, you would need two two other casters. Either that or the main guys would have to be dumbed down a whole lot, have one cast that's on Twitch that is basically the same thing. So if you're watching WWE or you're watching UFC, you've got Joe Rogan and 
whoever um i was gonna say uh mike but he's he's now a bellator but if you or and then you have like your spanish casters and you get your french casters and you got your your whatever you're watching wrestlemania mm, they've yeah. got like 30 yeah. different casters for 30 the different spanish countries desk gets fucked every time somebody goes it's, to a table literally so it would have <laughs> to be, the, i think it would have the jim to be, ross and the jerry lawler it would have to be something like that where you would have your own two guys that were for the network probably hired by ESPN um, and contracted for them, kind of like what they had with uh, WCS and stuff where you would have di- different casters for different regions. But you would have to do that because if you try and dumb it down and make it universal through all platforms, the shit is going to fall down flat and the backlash that the game is going to get isn't even worth bringing it to television because I know that television isn't going to pay all that much or at least up front. Uh, it's going to have to be a proof of concept, and uh, I, I think I think it's great. I think Rocket League is a really, really good one to put out there. And like what you said, it's it's soccer, it's robots. Um, you know, it's 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 easy to understand. It's just, it's it is easy to simple. watch. You know, yeah. the only exactly. other look at it. The only other more simple thing that that could ha- possibly happen is if they literally broadcast like NBA Two K. You know what I mean? And actually, you know, had video game of that, actual that's thing, players. That's the only. That's, that's that's the thing I feel like you could talk about uh, like in a totally separate topic is is would that ever happen? Like, are we really going to get to the point where we were watching the NBA finals and then we go watch the NBA finals between <laughs> two guys game. playing NBA 2K18? Like, how silly. Like, I, like, I. And then what, you know, it just, it just seems so I feel so like stupid. there's a demographic for it. I feel like there's a... Oh, there's, there is. NBA, the NBA games, dude, and FIFA, this is huge, fire. man. Yeah, it's fucking huge. Just not on Twitch. I mean, it's they have a, a community on Twitch, but, you know, it's not... It, it is big. It is big. Speaking of cable television and other random stuff, who of the three of us here remembers the Sega channel back in the 90s? Anybody remember that shit? No. I got my, one. One of my no? close friends had it with the whole adapter thing and they could actually yeah. use it. Yeah. Yeah. I had it a buddy on my street. I had a buddy on my street that had it too because his dad worked for the, the cable company and so he got it for free. Oh my That's goodness. the weirdest thing right. ever. It was mind-blowing. But how fucking crazy is it? So I know this isn't exactly what this next, next topic is about, but it's, it's a good kind of segue into it because it reminds me so much of the Sega channel. Back in the 90s, this was 1994 when this came out, the Sega Channel had this little adapter thing that basically just fit in like a regular game into your console, and it was hooked in with coax cable, uh, and it would run through certain cable providers as a channel where you literally got to play a library of Sega games over the coax cable. It would change it each was, month. It would change each And it would month. change each month. It was fucking nuts. And you paid, you paid, it was pay on top of your, your cable or whatever. But in 1994, to be able to plug in a fucking thing into your console that allowed you to have access to what is essentially almost like an online repository for the games for that month. A solid experience, too. Like, it worked well. Like, it, it did. played as if you had a cartridge in the console. I played like, Gunstar Heroes on that time. thing, and it yeah. worked beautifully. So it was nuts. So it was. And this I mean, was before it, it, like internet was the huge thing. Like yes. this was when people were still using like AOL or CompuServe or whatever, and you had to go with the really annoying like whatever sound. I don't know. Maybe Jeff can hit us up with that at some point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Before before you could you could turn that sound into the Taco Bell dog. 
So like th- it was this was it, it was ahead of its time in my opinion. Like had that come well, out like shot. five six years later, Sega would have been in the bank. Like they would have been like they would have been set. And that was the problem with Sega. All their stuff came out a year or two too early. Yeah, <laughs> and no but one it was did ready really, for it. Did it, you know it did it, it did well enough that it lasted until 1998 before they they packed. Oh it yeah, in. no, Sega Channel in. was was running really yeah. well. With the, with the advent of the, of Sega Saturn, I think was what packed it yeah. in, and they they uh, they put that to bed. But anyway, so I, I I mentioned that because remember not long ago when we were discussing uh, Sega and where they were, and I said, wouldn't it be fucking great if they had uh, an app on the PC and shit where they gave access to all of their games in one place? It was basically the Sega Channel, but in 2017. Well, uh, because and, and because of all the shit they're also trying to do, this whole fifty percent more sales by twenty twenty five or whatever, uh, by reviving old intellectual property that they had. So, lo and behold, this Sega Forever thing gets announced, and it, while it's not necessarily currently going to be slated for the PC, they're starting with mobile, and they are going to have a start with like five games. I don't know which five games it starts with, uh, and then they're adding two to three games a month from their back catalog over time and you get to play them all on mobile for free with ads you just completely free or you pay a flat fee on any game that you want 199 and the ads go away so if you really wanted to have no ads otherwise it's completely free and they're going to keep adding this stuff so you're, we're talking anything from the really uh popular stuff all the way down to the more like niche stuff that that might not you might not expect to see like comic zone um all slated you know to to be there so my first my knee-jerk reaction to this was why the fuck mobile (laughs) that was my first like i just like i every time i hear mobile i I kind of vomit my mouth a little then i remember that mobile is absolutely enormous in the gaming community just not the gaming community that necessarily we're part of um it's not the core and so then it kind of made a little bit more sense um, and I have other thoughts on this, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Like, what do, what do you guys think of this whole uh, initiative to, uh, to to bring this stuff around? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to hate on it for the sake of hating on it. I mean, it's better than it not existing. I mean, if I don't if I don't want to be part of it, I just I just don't buy um, the games. Um, I the whole dollar ninety nine thing. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be like playing a really annoying mobile game and having ads kind of just shoot down in the middle of your screen while you're playing a game and you got to like exit out or, you know, you finish a level and then you got to watch a 30 second ad of some shit or stuff where the point where you're just like, dude, just take my $2. And I think paying $2 a game is still not a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's two bucks. They're making zero now on it. Yeah. They're making nothing. So it's not the end of the world, but I'm kind of with you, Adam. I don't care about any games on my phone or my iPad. I just like I I'm not that type of person. Like if I was Might on the bus every on day, plane. you know, maybe. But here's the thing. If I was on the bus every day, I would have a Nintendo Switch or I would have a a, a whatever other handheld device. I'd 3DS. be using one of my old 3DS. <laughs> Literally, I'd pick a 3DS over a Switch anyway. But, yeah. you know, I'd have my 3DS. I'd have, you know, uh, you know, if I really wanted to go retro, I'd use my game gear. You know, I, I would do something along those lines. I don't need another app sucking the life out of my battery and playing 
uh, on a small ass screen that I just don't really care about. And I'll be honest, I don't really like that many Sega games. And by the sounds of it, they're going to drag out these big titles for like the next two years. If they're just releasing one or two a month, we're going to be waiting to see what games are going to be dropped. And it'll be games for the most part that ain't nobody care about. And we're going to be like, where are the good ones? You know, where's the golden axe? Where's the altered beast? Where are the, the Sonics? Where are the, you know, when are we getting these things? If they had, you know, some kind of voting system or, uh, where you could choose any two games a month from the catalog that unlock for you that you can play, or they just opened it up free reign, then so be it. I understand why they're doing it that way because they want to keep people interested, keep people coming back to the app, give reasons to download they also it. Have to, they also have to port these into Unity is the platform they're using. So they can't yeah. just like, they're not, they're not just cold copying an emulator into the uh, into this whole thing, so they're redoing There's it in a fair Unity so that they can, for some of those games. Yeah, so they, they it's also so that they can take it because he he plans the guy. There's one dude spearheading this whole project, and he plans to take it to other platforms than mobile. They're just starting in mobile, so it is kind of the idea I had where they're going to have a Sega Channel call it just for the sake of the segue I had in the beginning, um, where they're going to be able to plant it onto other things. He even mentioned the Switch uh, in that mm-hmm. list, which I think would be a perfect location for something like this imagine just you have your you know i mean yeah you have your your switch or whatever and you're out on on the on the road and you have your old sega games i think it makes perfectly good sense to to have it there so um so there you know there's a reason why they don't just open the whole the whole thing but yeah i agree probably it would be nice to have they probably pick mobile actually for um another reason um a lot of the older sega titles are actually kid-friendly like if you think about a sonic or something Yes. That's like right up the alley of like a kid. And a lot of a lot of the younger, younger kids will play these type of games on their parents' phones. You know, they'll play it on the iPad while they're sitting at home. And guess what? They're gonna be like, oh, this ad is they're gonna eventually just go to their mom and be like, Mom, can I pay the two dollars for this? I don't want to see the ads all the time or whatever. And yeah. your mom's gonna be like, you know what? It's gonna shut them up for a little bit. Pay the two bucks. It's either that or they're going to watch know. the ads, right? Kids don't care. Yeah, they're just going to, exactly. you know, they're going to sit there and watch they're the ads and Sega will make some money. Uh, I just, I, I just wish I cared more. Um, I wish this was, <laughs> I wish this was a console that got me excited. They let their stuff die out too um, much. Yeah. I don't have any attachment to Sega and the games that I want, I own. So if I wanted to play, you know, Mutant League Hockey or I want to play Gunstar Heroes or whatever, I already own it. So I can play it on the physical thing. And a lot of the good games are already on the PC. This has been done before. You can go on Steam and download Sega Classics. You can go. I have like an Xbox game right down there that have a bunch of Sega games on there. This has been done before and in the the best ways. I'm not sure that this is marketed for us as gamers. I'm sure there will be people that will do it. I think this is a good play to get new people into it. And also people when it comes to phone stuff, they just like free shit. Um, they like downloading free stuff because it's free, and I'm sure it'll go to the top of the App Store. Obviously, there'll be a lot of downloads and promotion. People will just download it because it's free, and then they'll try it out, and maybe, just maybe, uh, it'll do well, and they'll make some money for it. So thumbs up to them for doing it, but kind of thumbs down for me because I'll probably never download it or use it unless it hits PC. Then maybe we'll yeah. stream a little bit. 
Yeah, the um, so my my take on this is a couple of things. One, I agree with Panic with the the kids and whatever, and 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 also the fact, obviously, the free stuff is going to give them a lot more promotion and 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 run them up to the front of everything. And the the sheer number of fucking people that do mobile gaming is an absolute my like like before, on the side lag TV when I was when I was working on some things and we were the the startup that was in in motion that never came to pass we were going to be in the mobile game market and so we had to obviously you buy a bunch of uh, of you know intel basically uh to be able to establish how you're going to tackle the whole market you just buy a package of literally just somebody went and did did market research and you're buying it uh and i had no fucking idea just how much money is tied up in mobile it is insane how much it is uh and so uh, it's not shocking to me when you think about it you know that they they would go that route um because whether it's ads or not they're making money on stuff they're not making money on currently yeah and here was my other thought they mentioned the fact that, um, well, we already mentioned the fact that, and we had talked about it before, where they're doing this whole thing where they want to increase sales by 50% by 2025. It's this whole, re- they're in the middle of literally trying like to revive their company. It's mm-hmm. like a resuscitation. They're like fucking pads are getting rubbed together. They're clear. Everybody's trying to fucking revive Sega, right? So my, I, my thought process for this was, Uh, They mentioned in that when they talked about it that their plan was to get to that point, not necessarily by creating a bunch of new IPs, but by reviving popular old IPs. So what I thought was with this shit, when they're doing all this, other than making some money on stuff they haven't already done, they're going to be able to have some information out of this as to which one of these are the most popular and which Mm -hmm. might give them the best shot if they revived those games for their goal of reaching 50% increased sales by 2025 uh, in that grander scheme of things. So I think it ties really well into whatever they're doing. And again, like I said before, while there's not a huge list of Sega games that I could just rattle off about wanting to go back and play right now, there are some really fucking good Sega games that have happened over the last few decades, really, at this point. Uh, And I would love Sega to actually make its way back up out of the morgue and into the sunlight and, and be able to, uh, to, to have the money to maybe make some crazier, bigger games that they necessarily haven't been able to, to tackle because of monetary reasons for, for a long time. Uh, so I'm pulling for them. I think it's a pretty smart idea. Again, like Jeff, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to go out and get my phone yeah. and download no, every try for Sonic game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll probably do it to see how well it works, because like we said, they're porting it to Unity, yeah. I'd be kind of cool to see how it does translate the phone, but I'm not going to sit on it the crapper and play Sonic 2. Yeah. You, you know, that's you not going to be me. I think you might. <laughs> it might be your go-to crapper game. It's entirely possible. Right now, Magikarp Jump is just, it's all my, that's my thing when I'm, you know, on the on the crapper right now, so now you gotta, you gotta outdo the Pokemans, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, uh, that, ladies and gents, is it for uh, this part of it. We're going to go to a small break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, movies and stuff. Um, I believe we have... Uh, oh, and also, of course, Jeff's retro game segment that I... Uh, this is this is so secretive, not even I know about what Jeff's going to talk gonna about be, this week. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I don't even know. But I've got something I can talk about, so it's all good. 
I didn't put much thought. It's been a it's been a busy planning, week for me, dude. I've been planning at this <laughs> finest. You know what, man? You, oh, by the way, uh, I actually I'll, t- I'll I'll talk about that later. Anyway, we'll do okay. our break. Do your do, right. do I some believe, I gotta, believe in you. We took a big hit on Patreon. I mean, I woke up this morning and I looked. Yeah, but it was my, expected. I know. I hey, I know. <laughs> but part of my soul left me. I said, "Oh my god!" I had to check to see if I had enough money to pay mortgage. It was bad. Money. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, just go and let's just get that little bit of a cello going here, boys. <laughs> let's get that cello going. Yeah, we got the cello coming. We're going to go to break uh, for a couple of minutes, stretch the legs, get some water, and and uh, when we get back, retro games and uh, movie stuff all off the cuff because, like, the intro to this whole thing ain't nothing scripted here. Nope. It's pretty much a run. Run and see what happens. All right, guys, sit tight. We will be back in a few minutes. Peace. Hey guys, if you're enjoying Technical Alpha and are interested in supporting us, do I have a solution for you? We've set up a Patreon page to help us help you help us and you. We've got a list of options that would make a used car salesman cry that provide you with a range of goodies for your support. Head on over to patreon.com slash technical alpha to see what's up for grabs. Do you like badges and stuff? Subscribe to us on Twitch TV to get, well, badges and stuff. Technical Alpha is live-streamed every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash technicalalpha, so if you're in the neighborhood, be sure to stop by. Listening to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, or another podcast app? If you're having a good time, be sure to give us a thumbs up. It's a simple thing, but it goes a long way in helping us reach more people, and really, more people should be able to judge us feverishly. It's only fair. Honestly, though, while we like to joke about the sellout, just being a regular listener is a huge help, and we're incredibly thankful for all of your support. Technical Alpha will continue soon, so sit tight. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, from another sellout something. I wanted to say Sunday, but it's only Friday. (laughs) Two more days, bro. Uh, Two more days. We're not there yet. Uh, Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back from that break. It is now time to move on. To a completely off the cuff retro corner, Mr. Maximus Black. You've had some time to think. Not a lot corner. of time. Not. I have why, no why idea. I just I didn't, uh, call it the retro wall. Can't put, we can't put Jeff wall. in a timeout in the corner. That's just wrong. <laughs> I don't so, know what it's called, but I don't know. whatever I it is, we're going to talk about retro shit, and yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah. be spearheaded by Mr. Black. So. I wanted to uh, get your guys' opinion because I have recently been playing the one, the only, Chrono Trigger. So if you guys Mm, are listening to this via iTunes or some other audio, I am holding the actual cart of Chrono Trigger. Uh, I am, I think I'm about 13 or 14 hours in right now. Uh, I'm going to be playing again tomorrow. Right. And hopefully uh, finishing it up. But Are you going to do Chrono Cross? I don't know. Um, I haven't decided yet. I wanted to ask Adam because mm. when I announced that I was thinking about playing it, you said that you had tried it several times and yes. just couldn't make it through yes. uh, Chrono Trigger. So uh, before I give my thoughts on the game, since you couldn't get into it, um, right. what what's up? Why? Why couldn't you? Uh, why couldn't you get into it? <laughs> uh, so, 
So yeah, like like Jeff said, I've I have tried to play Chrono uh, Chrono Trigger now. I think between three or four times, somewhere somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, and uh, haven't I've I've gotten different lengths into the game usually. Uh, but I, I like I don't the four times or three or four times I've tried it. Of that, the majority of those times has it's ended in like the beginning of the game. I get to like the carnival and I <laughs> nope the fuck out of that game. Are you serious? That soon? Yes, that soon. Um, it's like you and Skyrim. Pretty much. Uh, I do like the first. I do like the first forty-five minutes over and over again and never go any further. Uh, yeah, that uh, I I can't describe necessarily what it was about Chrono Trigger that I I, I I just couldn't get into. I don't know if it's a combination of the fact that um that for me it's hard to go back to nice mug panic. Uh, hard to go back to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard Indeed. to go back to uh to the snes snes era jrpg i don't know if that's the case which i i mean i've beaten other games in that genre or played much further into games in that genre on the console but there was just something that didn't sit right with me like i i just it just felt so everything felt kind of cheesy uh but not in a typically jrpg cheesy way i just couldn't get into it i didn't like the characters all that much uh Kira Toriyama. Well, you what didn't you get to know. You like didn't get to know them, man. You barely played the game. Like so, King of Cheesy. But, uh, but if if I if I if I don't like a character in the first like, I mean, it's almost like a movie, right? If I'm watching a movie and if I don't like a character inside of the first like 20, 30 minutes that I'm seeing this character, then I, the odds, you know, maybe they re, you know redeem themselves, but it's not a great start. But the thing, the thing for me was it just I, I just couldn't get into it. And I don't think there's actually any individual reason for why, which is the most unsatisfactory fucking answer any person I could think, possibly give. I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're just not a fan of the old style RPGs in general. I feel like I would think that would be the case because I, 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 Trigger is like your quintessential one. Yeah, like, mm. and, and I mean, it doesn't mean, like, I mean, you can still, like, I'm not saying you don't like JRPGs at all. I know you love JRPGs. Mm. I think, I think maybe what it is, is, I mean, because when you think about it, Super Nintendo is the mecca and, like, the, the birthing right of JRPGs. I mean, those, that console has some of the, actually, the best, um, critically, I mean, it's subjective, but... If you go and ask any hardcore JRPG guy, oh, Chrono, or Chrono gal, Trigger is top three all time in JRPGs yeah, I mean, on a lot got, of lists. I mean, you can and then you the can, Dragon Quest franchise. Alone. Dragon Quest. There's uh, Secret of Mana. There's uh, mm-hmm. Chrono Trigger. Final there's Six. Final Fantasy. There's so many. Uh, so two, many. three. Uh, you know, Mystic. Uh, there's. I mean, you name it. I, I, there's a wall of them over there. Uh, some of which Can't I haven't you even at tried. Least one or two of those shelves are just just JRPG JRPGs type games. and not even just JRPGs but like Good the JRPGs so yeah. i feel like i feel like for you and and we've had these discussions before you haven't mm-hmm. played much of the super nintendo you never owned one no, you never, of course I never owned you, it. you don't have that attachment and which You've is gone. why I said it's hard for me to go back to SNES JRPGs yeah. specifically, because yeah. I just never, I didn't have. And that. Also, I love the graphic style, 
And but, the the oh, because it's just it's easy to look at. It's kind of timeless, right? But yeah, the, exactly. The, the way it plays is very different than say a PlayStation One or PlayStation Two JRPG, which you would you no, know. It's not that different. Well, they're, they're I almost mean, identical. Well, in, in terms of there's no voice acting; it's all reading. <laughs> um, it's the that's it's, never heard it's me very. Though. It's very, very repetitive in terms of of scenery and the way it looks. The way it plays isn't isn't as refined as some of the newer genres or uh, the, sorry, the newer uh, generation of consoles in terms of like you know moving around and and uh, just interaction with the world. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I mean, you look at it; it's RPG Maker, what we used to mm-hmm. play essentially yeah, uh, <laughs> over and over and over again. So. Um, I, I, it's just the old school turn-based RPGs, uh, that either you love or you hate. I just, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going by what you're saying. Cause you, cause you're not doing let a good me, job me, at telling me why you don't. No, no, of course, because it's hard for, it's hard for me to even describe it. Right. Cause it doesn't make sense because in all honesty, like if you look at Chrono Trigger in Final Fantasy seven, other than the fact mm. that you go from, from 16 bit to people don't have elbows, there's really no functional fucking difference between those two games. They are they play identically. One has one has more headroom for a soundtrack that isn't you know bit crunch. Uh, the and 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 better graphics, and that's literally it. Like functionally speaking, they play identically. In fact, Final Fantasy VII borrows from mechanics from games even further back than six. So it's. Uh, I I can't boil it down to the gameplay. I can't boil it down to the lack of voice acting because Seven didn't really have voice acting either. Uh, I can't boil it down to like music or anything because the music's fucking awesome. I love the graphics on in sixteen bit. Um, I, I I don't know what the fuck it is. The only thing I can think of perhaps is that the storytelling. Uh, in some of those games, or or perhaps more uh, specifically, the translations on the storytelling aspects of those games um, weren't phenomenal. In fact, there are endless fan projects, for example, for the Final Fantasy franchise and stuff like, uh, and other franchises too. Secret of Man, a lot of the ones you just mentioned, the big ones where they people re-translate. have they've retranslated because they were so shittily done the first time around. And when you're when you're a Japanese RPG leaning on character development and story, and your translation is pretty fucking rough, and you don't have a childhood attachment to those games from having played them before, and you go back, and uh, then that's really difficult because the thing that you're supposed to be leaning on in terms of your game, because it's not necessarily the turn-based thing. I fucking love turn-based. It pisses me off whenever a Japanese RPG comes out that isn't turn-based. the The core of the of the genre wasn't displayed at its best because at the time the translation it wasn't really a huge priority i mean shit look at the final fantasy franchise and just the numbering scheme that they had to come up with for the differential between japan and europe and north america it was a complete crapshoot so um i think that's part of it for me like when i played for example here's a better example final fantasy 6 which is what final fantasy 3 technically speaking uh, i think is how that went Something or 4 like i don't i don't know what the fuck it was anymore anyway when i played that i said you know what 6 is is with 6 7 8 9 in that block is where the vast majority of people and some people would throw in 4 
are where everybody butts heads for greatest Final Fantasy of all time. And because I didn't have the SNES, I wanted to play six to see how it paired up or, or you know paired up or went up against some of the games that I played as a kid. Um, because people, for example, talked up Kefka as the greatest villain in Japanese RPG history. I was like, fuck me, if that's the case, I need to go back and see this. Not because I thought the game was going to play incredibly well or anything, I just wanted to see the villain and the characters that made it all happen. Uh, Six is, by the way, still, I think, the prettiest Japanese RPG on the SNES. I think they used Mode 7 the best. I think they uh, I think they did color palette better than everybody else and character design. I love the fuck out of that. I also love the fact that I could suplex a train. That's the greatest fucking thing that's ever happened in a video game. Fucking period. I actually physically picked up and suplexed a train. But I stopped about 10 or so hours in because Kefka, in, because of the translation specifically, Kefka came off coincidentally like a clown. To me, uh, everything was humorous, right? At no point did I, did I, and it wasn't like a, a, oh, they're like the, the stereotypical evil where they're so evil. They laugh at everything. It's like, ha ha ha. what it is. You know, it wasn't like the Joker or some shit type deal. It was, it just felt like everything was a, a gag. And so I couldn't take the main, you know, evil guy in this game seriously and I just stopped playing I was like uh, maybe if I played this as a kid and uh, I, I'd have way more attachment to this and I would look at what Kefka's doing in this universe is way fucking worse and I'd I'd be like oh this is the greatest thing ever but going back to it from having not played it at all did it no favors so I guess if I had to boil it down to any singular problem that I've experienced across multiple JRPGs in the SNES era I went back to including Secret of Mana which I just played the other day which had mechanical problems which is an entirely different thing because it was like one of the first <laughs> action RPGs on SNES which action RPG and SNES should never have been in the same fucking sentence ever but God bless him for Link to the giving past it a is shot amazing I mean it's uh, um, you know it's yeah. not a JRPG action but RPGs it's an RPG were pretty it's well done RPG. Uh, no, okay, when you go back and play Secret of Mana, you're gonna know what I fucking mean. I don't mean Legend of Zelda shit. That's, that's, an, adve- that's an adventure title. The action RPG where the combat system is set up as such as it was in Secret of Mana, and the fact that you had to rely on the artificial intelligence of 1994 for your fucking allies is infuriating beyond all fucking belief. So it's a to- it's a little bit of a different scenario. I mean, yes, there were things done well in in in, re- in respects for that genre, but that was not one of the fucking things that that uh, people fondly remember about Secret of Mana. But the same thing happened in Secret of Mana. Writing or the not the writing because I don't want to say that the original writing was bad. It was probably quite good, but the translation so you have a was as such. Issue. Yeah, where I just couldn't fucking get into it. I mean, if you think about it, Japanese RPGs even as they stand today are pretty, like I said before, they're pretty cheese. They, they, like, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's the way Japanese writers write. It's, it's how people over there enjoy their stories. They like very tropey bullshit in Japan. And so if it's not translated really fucking well, and, uh, then I have a, a real hard time engrossing myself in it. I had an easier time as a child for obvious reasons, but now that I've grown up and I go and play something like Final Fantasy 13 or 15, um, uh, or even Lost Odyssey in points had problems with this. 
It's just kind of a thing. And when I go all the way back to the 90s, when people really didn't give a fuck about translations, then that was like, it, that's a big hurdle for me. So if I had to boil it down to one thing, let's go with that. That's that's my answer. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what about you, Panic? Did you play um, Chrono Trigger? You're into JRPGs um, at all? I am very much into JRPGs, but I I, I kind of in the same boat as Adam. I kind of missed out on the SNES generation, um, mainly because um, my cousins all had the SNES. Um, we were a Sega household um, because my brother and I had to decide which console would we get. We only got one, and so we decided on the Sega mutually because one, I was a huge Sonic fanboy, and my brother liked sports games, so we're like. Vegas seems like a good one, and my parents were like, oh, well, all your cousins have SNES, so you might as well get the Genesis. So I ended up playing a lot more action games than the RPG games, um, and then when I went back, when I was older and ROMs were kind of a thing, I played through a lot of the older Final Fantasies. I never got around to playing Chrono Trigger. I don't know why. It's just like I've always heard about it. I just never got around to playing it. So it was one of those kind of weird switchovers, I would say. Yeah, like for me, for me, I I grew up on Super Nintendo, so I mean, I guess I'm a little biased because you know I still consider Super Nintendo the greatest console of all time, um, for no for a number of reasons, and we can talk about that because Adam and I debated that. that. Adam and I debated that for a long time. He says PS2 is, <laughs> and I and I can totally see he makes valid points, but um, the Super Nintendo for all it's. JRPGs are my favorite besides RTSs because RTS is for obvious reasons a genre that I love very much but JRPGs has always been that one type of genre that can hold my attention for long periods of time if I go and play an action game like you know Shadows of Mordor or you know whatever I mean even if we go to Super Nintendo and I throw in uh I don't know, any Super Nintendo game, Uni Racers, I don't know, I'm just throwing one out there. I'll have fun with it, you know, uh, it's a good time. Uh, sometimes they're really bad times, but sometimes the bad times are good times. <laughs> um, but in order for it to hold my attention, it is, it needs to be story-driven, and mainly because I'm a story guy, I like stories, and JRPGs usually have great stories. And And speaking of Lost Odyssey, um, the whole, you know, thousand stories or whatever, uh, dreams or whatever the hell that thing was, all of those different storylines. That was my favorite part of the game. The game was like whatever, but actually listening to the stories were, were great. Um, I, I really am enjoying Chrono Trigger. Uh, out of all the games that I've played on the Super Nintendo, I never played Chrono Trigger. I just picked up a copy last week. It's an expensive cart here in Canada. They go a minimum of 120 bucks. They can go up to 150. Uh, I ended up trading a Turbo Graphics 16 console for the game itself, which is about the same value, but I had five of them, so I, you know, pawned one off. So I got that, told everybody I'd play it, and and like you, Adam, at the start, and when I when I got into, you know, I was really pumped to play the game. I was getting ready to play retro. I was, you know, not really feeling streaming all that much. It wasn't a game that I was like, you know, excited to wake up and play. So I was excited to actually turn on Chrono Trigger and give it a go. So I turn it on, everything's cool, and then I got to that that fair, and yeah. I was like, and it realized it dawned on me at that point that whoa, I'm actually playing a Super Nintendo game. Um, this isn't going to be as 
uh, a smooth ride as I'm used to, <laughs> not only mechanically, but there's a lot of reading involved. Luckily, I played a lot of RuneScape, so I was doing a lot of reading anyway. <laughs> so it wasn't a big thing, and I like to voice act all the characters so that it's entertaining for the chat. Um, but it did. It dawned on me where I was going, oh, am I really going to, you know, I almost wanted to stop playing because it was like, it was, it. it's a lot. Like going back to older games for the sake you're of like it. On that roller coaster going up and you're like, how much longer do I have to go up before I get the payoff? Exactly. And, and, and the, 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 the reality of it is this. I, I sell a lot of uh, consoles and bundles to people. You know, I go and buy things in bulk. I go and resell it yeah. to make, to make yeah. pay for my collection, uh, which, by the way, I am like a thousand dollars off of it being free, uh, which is pretty amazing. But I sell a lot Not of consoles, bad. a lot, Not like a lot of Nintendo, Super Nintendos. And here's the thing. Probably 80, 90 percent of them that I sell to. I put up a bundle on Kijiji or Facebook group and I have Super Mario World and Link to the Past and all these classics. And somebody goes, oh, my fucking God, my childhood. And they impulse buy it because they just they see it. They want to play it. I guarantee 80, 90 percent of the people, they put it in. They play it for a half hour and they never turn it on again. The main reason why they do it is because you realize on how bad mechanically things play and how well games have developed I know that I've been shitting on a lot of modern games, <laughs> but I'm talking about technically, uh, not only graphic-wise, but just playability, how how much easier it is nowadays, even in the last, since PS1, and then you go before that and you realize, yeah. like, oh my god, what a jump. Here's the thing. analog stick was huge. If you stick it out long enough, and I got past the fair and I was reading the dialogue. I realized instantly how much I love old games and how innocent and fun they were. Kind of those those things that you were just talking about and how jaded, say, Adam may have gotten with video games and myself, where you have a hard time enjoying the 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 simplistic way of how games were developed back then where where i mean you're you're making arguments on japanese translations where for me that's i that's actually something i just never even took into consideration i i i mean I, I'm, I'm gonna yeah i'm in for the experience i'm just gonna have fun with it and i and here's one thing that i do want to say about chrono trigger in particular is the story is amazing i like I'm, I'm, I love the characters. I almost by by the time I'm done this, I'll probably get some sort of Chrono Trigger, you know, plushies or or something to add in the room because the characters are that much fun. And there's also this generic time travel thing where you're you're traveling within time, but how crazy is it that I that I believe. And I feel that the way that Chrono Trigger handles time jumping is the best I've ever seen in any video game ever. Do you want, ever do you made, want to know why that is? Ever. And why you is want that? to know why that is? That's because a lot of those like generic time travel things that you, you're mentioning. Probably bit off of Chrono Trigger. 
that came from Chrono Trigger. It was one of the first time travel is, video games. It is absolutely <laughs> it set up a lot of those tropes. How they did it, it's, it's where the OG, where you can be. It, it's like there's a world map, and it's not very big. It's a small world map. It's a short JRPG, by the way. It's like 15 to 20 hours long, usually about 15, 12 to 15 for most people. Um, although I'm sure there's people that probably played 80, 90 hours. Um, it's a small world, but you can hop between times and you go from the to the past to the future. And it's just the world that changes. So you go to like a, a post-apocalyptic you go to a futuristic, you go to a modern, you go and but everything changes and there's these chests that you can open up that are different. They're in the same places, but you have to open them in different times. And 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 it's just so cool how they do it and how all the characters, the way the story is coming together, it's so well thought out. It, it I, I couldn't believe it. Sometimes when I'm playing the game, I go, holy shit, this came out back in the day. How <laughs> fucking good is this? Like this, if if they remastered this game and they put it out in this modern, you know, PS4 or PS7 or whatever, how fucking crazy of a game would that be? It's That's how nuts. they sold the games back in the day, though. If you if you if you think about it honestly, right? The SNES and all those, they only had so much they could do with graphics. Yep. And yeah, you had some incremental improvements over time. But these guys were making games so that they could sell their next game. And yeah. the way you make a game memorable on the older platforms especially was through the story, the writing, the you know, the experience you got from it. So when you know you come up with Chrono Trigger or you come up with any of the games and you expect that, yeah, you might make a sequel or whatever – you're going to want to, you, like, the storytelling is top-notch. They can, And yeah. that's something that they can put a lot of, you know, time and energy into and, you know, writing, but it's not technically or, like, technologically complicated. You it's know, very they can, simple. They can, and that's, yeah, and that's what deep, makes it. all storytelling. And that's what makes it so great to me is how simple it really is. Most things in life yeah. are, the good things are simple. It's as, it's as simple as, you know, telling somebody you love them. You know, that'll just change everything. You don't need to to do whatever twisted fucking thing you think you need to do to impress somebody. You just you just needed to be simple and have it translate well. Uh, and 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 that's how I feel uh, Chrono Trigger did. It is a big I love you to gamers. Back then, you had to make a good fucking game and in order for it to sell. You just did. And it's a beautiful thing to play now that I am such a seasoned gamer and a jaded one at that, that or I can go back and sure the beginning was rough, you know, it, it was it was super rough. But once I got over that hump, which was about 45 minutes, maybe an hour tops, and it wasn't even like I was it was a horrible experience. It was just like, oh, man, oh, you know, I'm going I'm, we're going way back here. I loved it. So. I'm not done yet. I'll give you guys, you know, another little blur on it when I finish the game. But I will say the gameplay is phenomenal. It's very well paced. And it's one of the JRPGs that you don't actually have to grind. As long as you're not skipping every fight, which, by the way, you have to run into your opponents or run on certain parts where where, where baddies will come out and kind of ambush you. And it goes right into the fight. So if you're walking around an area, 
you get into a battle, there is no like screen change. It just goes right into the fight. And then when you're done beating your opponents, there's no like, you just, you, you see the stuff that you picked up and then the game just continues. There's no cutting. There's no waiting. There's no pauses and people it keeps the, the, you moving. It keeps you moving. It's, it's just so well paced. And it's one of those games that when you get into a new area and you guys will know what I'm talking about. You get into a new area and you have to finish the fucking area. You get there and you're like, all right, I'm going to call it a night guys. After I'm, after I get to this part, you get to that part and you're like, okay, I just got to get to this. You you, want to just, okay, I'm just going to kill these guys over here. I'm going to open up that chest. And then there's something just in the horizon that you can see that you need to finish. And next thing you know, it three hours have gone by and you're going, guys, I really need to turn off this game right now because it's two o'clock in the morning and I need to wake up at six. It's, it's one of those things. And it's crazy to have that feeling that I, that I don't really get that often now. And I'm not saying that because I am having some sort of retro uh, renaissance where I'm like, Oh, you know, it's, it's the retro all new games suck. It's just the (laughs) truth. It's just a fucking fun, well-paced, well-written, Great characters, JRPG classic action. So if you guys haven't played Chrono Trigger out there and you're listening, go grab a ROM, go get the cart, do however you need to do it, play that game. It's a damn good time. It's getting my thumbs up so far, unless they totally shit the bed here in the last like 40% of the game, which I can't see because it's it's actually like picking up. Uh, I'm, I'm loving it. It makes me want to <laughs> just turn it on now and play. Yeah, I I didn't play Chrono Trigger through, but I did play Chrono Cross through. Cross. So if you ever yeah. do, if you ever do get around to playing Chrono Cross, then I'll I'll be able to talk more about uh, Chrono Cross uh, than Chrono Trigger. Um, and that was it's not like that didn't get. I mean, I think that was one of the first games that got ten out of ten scores on a lot of in a lot of publications. Yeah, like um, that did phenomenally well. It did really well, uh, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what my opinion of the game was right now. We'll wait and see. I'm sure I'm sure after Jeff has done Chrono Trigger, oh, somebody will, in chat's gonna I say you have to go play. Across. It's there yeah. on my wall. We'll be playing it. Yeah, so you're gonna have that. So we'll we'll talk about uh, uh, about that one afterwards. But it is it is. I, it's not that I don't think that Chrono Trigger or say Secret of Mana or anything are just bad games. I personally just can't go back just because for me, yeah. uh, for for me, JRPGs. Um, you know the the check bo- the check boxes are uh, if possible turn based combat. If I can get that, I'm already fifty percent of the way there. Uh, and then pretty much the other fifty percent is uh, can I get into the writing and the story? Whether it's voice acted or not doesn't make a damn difference. Uh, it's just whether or not the the I can get into it. And I've just with the ones that I've played on the SNES, uh, either a translation or otherwise, I've just had a, a hard time. So I actually I, I won't say what I think about Chrono Cross necessarily but i do think trigger is a better game demonstrably so than chrono cross so we'll we'll flesh that out a little more once uh, mr black is has gotten through uh chrono cross which i know sounds weird given the fact i haven't beaten trigger but we'll we'll talk about that when the time comes um <laughs> is there anything else retro we we want to talk That's about it. mr we'll, black we'll keep it we'll keep it simple we'll keep it simple okay. just like just like chrono cross Okay, all right. How about we talk about Han Solo? <laughs> okay. How about we talk about Han Solo? 
because uh, old Hani boy, I feel like everything surrounding Han Solo's character, even since the original movies, has been kind of a dumpster fire. Like, not even <laughs> not even Harrison Ford wanted to play Han Solo, but yet there he was, and the, the pay was good, so we did it anyway. Uh, and now we've got this Han Solo movie that I guess is kind of it's 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 in that same vein as Rogue One or whatever, mean? where it's the what do you mean he didn't want to play Han Solo? He didn't. He want was, he was doing carpentry work. Hates acting. <laughs> he he hated, literally fucking yeah, hates. He legitimately acting. He hated only, playing Han Solo. Like yes. legit. He would go. Uh, he would go to like set, asking the director, salty. like kill me off. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like he hated playing the character, and that's why he was so happy when they killed him off. Uh, yeah. In episode that, seven, and and it even got to the point where Mark yeah, but early was on like, when he first got the role. Yeah, well, no, even then, like, he, he didn't did even really... He did not like it. He did not like <laughs> really? it. So, yeah. really? He he's said this a million times. This isn't, this isn't like, yeah, new dude, information. There's, like, documentaries. Like, if you go on YouTube and you search, uh, like, he talks about how fucking I shitty it was it. playing Han Solo. <laughs> he did not then, like and it. So, like, I, and there was a more recent interview where even Mark Hamill was saying how he didn't really want to go back and play Luke, and he was like, you know, the one guy that's going to save me here is either all the people will come back or none will, and this will... And I'm safe because there's no way Harrison is going to fucking agree to come back and yeah. do Star Wars. And of course, and then lo and behold, money. he did. And finally put him like, to rest, too. He even, said, yes. he even said in an interview he was not coming back unless they killed him. And so yeah. they, they said, Don, they did. you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you're dead. And so here we are. So they, uh, but they obviously can't let Han Solo as a as a, uh, a piece of no. uh, of you know movie bit to to go away forever. So we had this um, this I Anthology guess film. Uh, yeah, uh, where they were going to go through with it, and it had been going along, and we're pretty deep into production at this point, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're mm-hmm. into it, and mm-hmm. then the director or directors, I don't know, if it was like one or two guys there that walked off. They're like, "Fuck this, uh, Audi Five. And so now they've replaced him with, from what I, I'm not a movie guy, I'm not a TV guy, but all I know is that this is Ron Howard, right? That they replaced him mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. All yes. I know about Ron Howard is every time I've heard his name come up, it's not that he's bad. He's just like the fucking wonder bread of directors. So I wanted to hear from, from you guys that know a little bit more about this situation probably than I do, or, or at least a little bit more about Ron Howard and what your take would be on how this whole situation is going to go down. I want to, I want to hear your take on this. So let's, let's start with Jeff. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, well, I mean, okay. Uh, Ron Howard, he's a good director. Um, he isn't, he isn't a flashy director. Like he's not, you know, a JJ Abrams or anything like that. Uh, a lot of his stuff is, is, is character driven, uh, which is great. I think that's what they need to do. He's a story movie guy. He's a story. Exactly. Literally. That's the show. Um, he, his biggest, I think probably his biggest movie was Apollo 13 uh, that he did, um, which was like back or in Or Beautiful 95. Mind, I would say. Beautiful Mind. Yeah, that was huge, too. That was in 2001. Or Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci, yeah. That was, a, yeah. Da, he did a lot okay, of he's, ones, yeah. yeah, he's done, he's done a lot of I stuff. I don't know if you're allowed to put Da Vinci Code in with Beautiful Mind and Apollo uh, 13, but well, it's technically a movie he did. Well, I mean, in terms of box did. office, it did, it did really, really well. He did Angels yes, and did. Demons as well, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, he and I think he even did Inferno. I think he did all of them. All of them. Did he do Inferno? I think he did. Uh, Inferno was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was ago. just like recently. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, the big one for me is is Apollo. He also did one of my favorite movies of all time. This is gonna sound oh weird. Boy, here we go. Uh, I, okay, okay. Whoa, dial it back, Jeff. All right, it's not one okay. of my favorite movies of all time, but it is a guilty you pleasure, like fun, fun movie. <laughs> Ransom. You guys ever watch Ransom oh, with Mel Gibson? Yeah. Oh, oh my god! I movie. just saw. You said Ransom, and I saw oh. that shitty blue-tinted fucking cover to the movie pop that's, into my head with Mel Gibson on the cover. Yeah, Mel Gibson looking semi-young uh, <laughs> and Ransom, dude. Uh, that is such a fun... Makes me. I, I actually, I'm going to write this down right now. I'm going to watch it tonight when I, get, when I get off uh, this podcast. Mel Gibson before he got crazy. I've, he's probably was crazy back then, but you know yeah, there was true. no social media really back then. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I mean, his crazy probably just didn't get out. Uh, he's done yeah, share of bad movies too, though. Oh yeah, like oh, he's done some time. pretty bad ones. Ed TV, yeah. Cowboys and Aliens. Like, oh my yeah. god. Yeah, he's done. So he's he, done he, some he, some shit boxes for sure. Uh, but you know what? I, I'm I'm okay with that. I don't need a crazy flashy. Uh, director for this i mean this is not star wars this no. is i mean it's star wars but it's it's a it's kind of like rogue one it's going to be very very character driven more focused i'm sure there'll be some big you know space things it's han solo obviously we're gonna get the millennium falcon and you know all the all that stuff and um, uh, there'll be some great bar scenes and and all that stuff uh there'll be a lot of tension but at the end of the day i don't I, I'm not against it or for it. I just I don't really care. They've got an amazing cast of people that are playing in this in this film, and it's Disney and Lucas. I feel like it's going to be a home run. I mean they they've been smashing it with everything they've done so far, Star Wars related. Not only are the pressers amazing, uh, the the Star Wars um, celebration was amazing. Episode seven. I know there'll be some people out there that'll say I didn't like it. It was like a new hope and blah 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 blah. And, <laughs> we'll, and when when episode eight comes out, they'll be like, oh my god, it's just too much. Like Empire Strikes Back, and they'll they'll you know obviously we're gonna hear that. But at the end of the day, they were really good movies. They were a great uh, experience. And I don't think I shouldn't say I don't think, but the majority of people that left the theater on Rogue One or Episode 7 didn't walk out despising it or hating the movie. They may have had problems. I mean, I've had I had my problems, but we're talking about Star Wars. Star Wars is the, one of the most scrutinized franchises in the history. I mean, there are people that their lives are a, like literally revolved around Star Wars. Like they named their children Leia or Luke. They, you know, they're hardcore. It's part of their being. So when you get these hardcore people, it's almost impossible to please them. I, I think even if they made a movie and they watched a movie, they'd have problems with it. It's one of those things where uh, I, I have more faith in uh, Kathleen Kennedy. I think that's uh, the girl that's running it over uh, at Disney. And and what they're doing over there than any movie director. Obviously, a movie director is going to is going to get me excited in terms of technically. And and you look at someone's track record, you can kind of visualize the tone and what it's going to look like. But at the end of the day, I uh, I'm good. They got my money and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is to me. I don't know how you feel panic. Um, Yeah, I mean, for. 
Ron Howard was an interesting choice. Um, I feel like pro- like the reason the other two guys left was creative differences. Yep. So I'm yep. really curious, like, was it creative differences with each other or with Disney? I'm I'm not too sure on what happened with them leaving. But um, rumor is sorry like, to interrupt, but rumor yeah, is is they were having issues with the Disney in terms of their vision on what they wanted to do. And obviously when in the movie business, I mean, yeah, you don't mess with Disney. You, yeah. You, and, and if, if they're, if they're saying, listen, I don't think they're ever going besides, and this isn't obviously Disney, but DC, for example, uh, and wonder woman, uh, what's her face that directed wonder woman. I think she's going to have full reign on the next wonder woman. I think they're going to go, you did, you, you saved us. You are, how much money do you want? And here you go. Have, go have Just fun. Go. Go Here's $200 million. Go make a fucking sick sequel. I think that's what's going to happen there. But the problem is with Disney is, especially since they're having different directors do every film, essentially, uh, and they need to they need to keep everything kind of, coinciding i mean we're talking star wars here this is bigger than just the movies i mean they're I mean, yeah, this they're is, like they're trying to fit lego pieces all together exa- that's with literally something what that they already have and, and, so, they, and they can't give as much freedom exactly and i think what happened and rumor is um is they had differences they they had different visions on what how they wanted things to go and disney said see ya i i i, I feel like disney just canned them said you're you know we're not firing you but you ought to resign because we're going to fire you type thing. I think that's what that's what happened. But continue. So, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Benny. So I was going to say with the Ron Howard pickup, um, I, I, I feel like Han Solo's. I don't know if he's necessarily a great fit for Han Solo. I'm just thinking about like how his movies are. He has been going for more of the edgy stuff lately, but a lot of his stuff, again, it's all about the storytelling, but it always ends up with kind of a little bit of that feel good aspect to it, like how they play out. Um, so I know he's got like Dark Tower coming out, which is, um, you know, it's in the name, but it's a Stephen King. It's a much more realistic and edgier and grittier setup. So, you know, he definitely got the chops for it, but I'm not sure. It really, it really depends on what kind of story they go for with Han. Are they going to go for like the, uh, um, you know, swashbuckling type, or are they going to go for more of the gritty smuggler aspect of it? Because, you know, Han's done some shady shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it all depends on which angle they, and they take showed on that him as a character. In Rogue One, like in Rogue One, that's what I love so much about. Did you see that one, Adam? Did you see Rogue One? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's that's what I loved about Rogue One is they. I mean, there there were those quippy one liners, and it was it was fun. It wasn't as it wasn't as lighthearted as Star Wars Episode Seven was, but it was um it was gritty. Like these guys are rebels. They they. They are, they're killers. They steal, they kill, they're bounty hunters, they do things for money and for their like own monetary gain. Like people are legitimately dying type of yes, thing. Like it's like, like they oh, would, okay, they this would, is actual they would war. Shoot. Yeah, they, they would shoot people even though you're like, whoa, did he just fucking do that shit? Like you're a main character? What the fuck? You're not going to, like there's no underlining issue. He didn't sleep with your, your fucking your daughter <laughs> or he didn't fucking your wife or like there's no... You know, you don't have some beef with him from 20 years back. You just shot that dude in the back for for, for whatever reason. So I hope they go down that way. I, I, I'm, I, I hope they keep it 
is lighthearted enough and fun. I don't want I don't want Indiana Jones because I I feel like you're we're gonna we're gonna cross because yeah. Harrison Ford, uh, uh, you know, he he obviously did Indiana Jones and he did um, Han Solo. I the characters were just were so much alike in so many ways that I feel as if they go too lighthearted, it's gonna feel very Indiana Jonesy in a Star Wars environment. I, I want it to be gritty enough, but fun enough, uh, and and that's gonna be on Ron Howard and the guy who's playing, uh, you know. And again, that's why that's why I'm, I'm it's confusing because if you look at it, Star Wars the way Disney's treating it is the mainline Star Wars movies coming out every other year or whatever. Those are following the same conventions as the other Star Wars movies and progressing that main plot. But then, like stuff they did with Rogue One, they're taking a lot more creative liberties on the side movies. Mm-hmm. So Rogue One was a lot darker than you usually would get for a Star Wars movie. But at the, the ending alone with Han Solo, there's yeah, exactly. So, like, there's so many different ways that they can go with the Han Solo movie. Um, I don't know if I'm excited or worried because that's also there's a lot of different ways they can screw it up. So, I, I, I Ron Howard's a good pick because he's a veteran director and he has handled you know other IPs, you know, major franchises, and you know, at, at a technical level, I think we'll get a good movie. Um, and even if the story is weak, we'll still get a good story told because Ron Howard will give us that vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just concerned about the actual content of the story that we'll get for that I movie. Think the reality of it is this, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, but I think the reality is this has the potential to be the worst Star Wars movie that Disney has yeah. had uh, yeah. to date. Yeah. It, it has potential yeah. to be not a flop. It, it, I don't think there'll ever be a Star Wars movie that'll be a flop. But I think it has potential to just be okay. I don't think we're going to get a bad movie. Um, it, it could be amazing. It could be they could just wow me again, which I've I'm going to assume they're crossed. going to. Uh, but this has the potential to be that first semi letdown to a lot of people, especially when you're dealing with a character like Han Solo of all characters, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this last question out just as a, don't spend too much time on this, but I wanted to hear both of you guys' thoughts on this, whether you uh, agree or not, I guess it doesn't much matter, but um, Ron Howard, he is a, we, we've established he's a veteran director. He's done big things. He's done character driven stuff. This is all great, but um, I want to know, if you guys, not necessarily are you, uh, if you're concerned about it, but uh, how difficult is it for a director to come in like halfway into production and take over from a different director that's probably got wildly different directing style than you, and they've already put a bunch of shit on you know on the editing table uh, to to be sent through, and you don't get to go back and and retool that. So now you've got to come at some weird middle ground between your directing style and the people that came before you. Uh, can you think of any other movies that, that this has happened where it's turned out to be perfectly fine? And it, do you think it's, yeah. it's, it's a difficult thing to do? Yeah, it, it happens all the time. Um, it happens more than you think. And well, just it's like not pro- that, high profile, yeah, it, it's, like high it's profile not, shit. it's really not that difficult. Um, and they do, they will change things. Uh, you know, movies sometimes get changed on the fly. Uh, and, uh, sometimes they do reshoots. They they film something and they're just, I don't like this, and they'll spend another you know thirty million dollars to reshoot an entire you know fifteen minute chunk of a movie or, or whatever the case may be. Um, 
I don't think that's going to be an issue here. These guys are professionals. They're the best in the business. And a lot of the time is, is it's not like Ron Howard just magically came up in a fucking, in a, in a, in a, in a hey, let's go grab Ron, Ron Howard. Um, chances are he was in the running for the part to begin with. Uh, they do this for multiple directors. Usually they have somebody in mind that they would love uh, to do it. But chances are Ron Howard was already on the table, already thinking about it, maybe even did some writing. Um, or might at have the been very even a least, producer, like a shadow yeah, producer. At the very least, he's in that Disney umbrella. And it, it was you know, probably just smooth sailing. I'm sure. Well, I'm Disney sure there were some usually, technical things, but Disney uh, usually, when they do a lot of the larger scale productions, they have shadow producers who are like people, like other directors, whoever, who are like not necessarily build on it, mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. there helping. Mm-hmm. And you know, they Disney puts them in just in case, like the mm-hmm. you know, so the director's mm-hmm. not coming in blind. Yeah, and a lot of the time is when you have uh, when you have a big blockbuster movies like uh, uh, Jurassic Jurassic World that came out. And the director didn't direct the new Jurassic World that's coming out, but they had him on set for a lot of it, kind of overshadowing the director, not only to keep that tone that he set in the first one, which is I'm sure a lot of people in Disney are doing as well for Star Wars. I'm sure J.J. Abrams for Episode Eight. I, in fact, I know uh, he he was on set giving you know some advice. Obviously, there's this discrepancy that you want to use where you're where you're not. You're not directing the movie, but when you're dealing with such a big project like this, it's a team effort. It's never just one guy going in and saying, go have fun. It's very, very rare. It's a it's it's a whole clusterfuck of people. And especially on in Star Wars, directors, they have a big say, but they don't have a big of a say as some of the other bigger blockbusters that you would see because you've got to deal with a a Star Wars TV show, an uh, an animated show, their toys, their uh, you know you know their 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 parks. Everything has to be done so meticulously that if there is the wrongest thing, and people in Star Wars pick shit apart. I mean, you Luke Skywalker could say one line, and somebody would have a four hour podcast on what exactly that line means. (laughs) I shit you not. And when it spreads like wildfire, it can hurt the brand or it can do wonders for the brand. Uh, So to answer your question, I I, I think, yeah, there there would be some technical things that they, hurdles that they'd have to cross, but this isn't, they did not just call this guy and go, yo, our other boys are out. You mind just kind of come, is your schedule free? Uh, Can you come on in? It's it's kind of like, you know, I always go, I don't know why I keep doing UFC references, but usually when you have <laughs> a fighter that gets injured or can't fight, typically they're, you know, Dana White would call somebody and say, hey, you don't have the fight, but be ready in case we call you up until this certain point. Keep your schedule clean uh, and be prepared to fight just in case something happens. It works the same way in the movie biz. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to assume that panic agrees with everything. Because he's looking. Oh, I agree with room. that sentiment. Okay. No, I was re- I was checking something, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll leave it there because despite it's hard for me to gauge roughly where we are around the timeline because we started a little later and we had to talk about the the format change and stuff. So I don't know where we are, but I think we're we might be a shade over, but not dramatically over. So we're gonna 
Uh, we're gonna wrap it there, uh, for this, uh, bit. For those not on Twitch, this is where it gets complicated, where I have to figure out how to package this up. On Twitch, we're not going anywhere. We're coming back for, uh, tech support, the second half of the show for you guys. Uh, and for you, those watching this on YouTube or listening to this on iTunes or Google Play or wherever else on their RSS feed, uh, you're gonna be getting the tech support section of the, uh, the show, the follow-up to this part, uh, in a few days, depending on when you've listened to this. So, uh, thank you very much for, for listening, uh, at home. Huge thank you to everybody giving us ratings on iTunes. We're, uh, continuously, slowly, but we're approaching a hundred. Hopefully we eventually hit a hundred. We're getting awfully damn close. Uh, and of course a big thanks go out to our, uh, our Patreon supporters, which mean absolutely everything to us as well. Uh, we'll do read them all off now. Uh, well, no, I, I don't want to do both of them up. Uh, I'm going to do it at the end of tech support. I'll have all the, uh, that means all, all the right. Patreon stuff will be in one go. Uh, but a big shout out, of course, to everybody on Patreon. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, and you want to check that out. It's patreon.com slash technical alpha. Um, actually in the next couple days, I'll be releasing the, uh, the next round of videos of retro verses for Jeff and I, where we, uh, we play games off of his retro wall uh, and only Patreons have access to that. So thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go on a break for those listening at home, not live streamed. Uh, you will see us in another couple of days or so. And, uh, so yeah, here comes sellout round number two or the end of the show. So we're either going to see you soon or see you later. There is no fucking smooth way to end this the way that we're doing uh, it, but I'll come up well, with something. We'll come up with something. We'll be. We'll, we'll see you guys like Wednesday. Yeah, you're, you're watching us on Twitch. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Otherwise, peace. Alpha.